What's good, party people? This is According to Woods, and I have the honor and privilege to not only be reviewing Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 8, but I get to do it with the good sister. She is a woman of many talents, social media manager, uh, After Buzz host, and a contributor to none other than Bodyslam.net. She is the one, the only, Anissa Barr. Anissa, what's going on? Thanks. That's a cool intro. I never had one of those intros before. Even yeah. when I hosted it after Buzz TV, I was just like, hey, this is me. <laughs> well, there's there's an authenticity to just being me. I, I got to have to go into the box of gimmicks and what have you. Yeah. Not as heralded as uh, you after buzzers or the Bodyslam.net crew. Right. So I, everyone's, I gotta... taking, everyone's taking the after buzz kit, so I love it. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, we're here, uh, obviously, Mania Weekend. Uh, yeah. There's a gaggle of shows that happen, you know, in and around the whatever town that Mania uh, tends to set plane, you know, to set aim and take fire to, right? And this is no different. Now, obviously, we had a couple of years of COVID, which shut everything down. We had a COVID mania. Uh, we actually had a blood sport uh, that was filmed just in a back alley, what have you. I believe that was Bloodsport 6. Yeah, Bloodsport 6, uh, Bloodsport 7. We were lucky enough to have it in L.A. You and I were both in attendance, which was amazing, which uh, some of the seeds were actually sown at 7 to kind of uh, go into 8. But in overall, what did you think about this? This was a little bit different than the rest of the fair uh, in Mania Weekend and even just in the GCW kind of bubble. Yeah, I think um, this is a good idea when it comes to seeing what other talented wrestlers can do. Obviously, they are talented in professional wrestling, but to see a different side of wrestlers and performers who are very athletic are in the scene, what else can they do? Not only to their body, but to their mind. And when they're in these type of matches, what other talents can they bring in? Because there's no ropes, obviously. But overall, I think this is a new way to kind of bring in a different aspect to wrestling fans who some are probably MMA fans, some are probably not and not really don't know how, don't know anything about MMA and are watching this and seeing how kind of cool it is. But overall, I think that Josh Barnett is doing a fabulous job. He's making this, this is, this uh, blood sport is skyrocketing. Out of, it's coming out of it came out of nowhere in my opinion i didn't know about it until it, he announced john moxley and of course I'm, I'm moxley fan forever and when you bring in guys who are who have big names like moxley or anybody else in the world people are going to tune in and whatever josh barnett is doing i think he's doing it correct because this is this was a great great show two hours but it was wonderful Absolutely. And especially when we have like three hour Raws, you know, two hour SmackDown, a 90 minute NXT, give or take, um, you know, there's a lot of wrestling to consume just of one company. You're right. So this one, you know, being so different and, and kind of separating yourself out from the rest of the pack. Um, it was a it was a breezy two hours and twenty seven minutes, give or take, you know, thirty second year or what have you, and it was all killer no filler. Um, 
you, sometimes there's intermissions at you know local shows, GCW. They were just one match after the other after the other, you know. And uh, the, one of the many things that I liked about it, everyone, uh, every competitor on the card essentially had a bit of a background in some sort of combat sports. So it just added to the legitimacy, you know. And it starts off um, Masha Slamovich against Janae Kai, which, my goodness, uh, these two can throw down. Uh, Kai coming from a, a Muay Thai, you know, striking discipline, Masha Slamovich, Russian wrestler, you know, and uh, out of the Northeast. So it's just wrestler on top of wrestler on top of wrestler is Masha okay. Slamovich. And I love this kind of takes where, you know, you're seeing legit wrestlers and it's not just reserved just for males. It's females as well. You know, the Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch, Josh Barnett, the lineage of that, even Antonio Noki is flowing through one Shayna Baszler. And it doesn't stop because we have Masha Slamovich who has trained, um, in Gleason's gym and, and done the, the gritty, gritty grappling. And here she is against a striker of Janae Kai. Right. I thought this, this, uh, them two were great. I think these two ladies are going to be freaking stars in the near future. Um, I really have to give props to Josh Barnett for bringing in, uh, having, t uh, four women compete. Uh, for blood sport. Um, I think there's great opportunities for women doing blood sport. I think, and I hope next year we see more women. Hey, let me do a two night blood sport. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like there's so many talents out there, both male, female, and trans, you know, the trans community, LGBT community. There's so many talented performers that I think that there should be a part one and part two next year, hopefully for blood sport, because I want to see certain people, you know, in blood sport. I want to see if other people, you know, other wrestlers are capable of doing blood. And I think are, I'm sure there will be other opportunities for more people to come in for blood sport. But overall, I think these two women really killed it. Um, I think they dominated um with the first match and um it's something that i feel like not a people not a lot of people have seen just yet i mean we see you know marina shriver and zita zing we you know this is our second time going at it with each other but it's always a good fresh fresh air to see other other women um compete Absolutely. And both uh, Slamovich and Janae Kai. Um, uh, Janae Kai, I don't believe she competed in the L.A. blood sport. I, I, I know she was there, um, but Masha Slamovich was definitely on uh, blood sport seven. Janae Kai, I believe uh, she was a part of six. And then, you know, in terms of like the inclusion of everyone, right? Uh, the first incarnation of blood sport, um, I guess pre-pandemic, uh, Josh actually wanted to have a queen. I can't remember the terminology, but it was like something to the effect of a queen of blood sport uh, championship, which it was actually won by uh, Lindsay Snow, yeah, the American kaiju out of Florida. Um, but unfortunately, she got injured. Pandemic happened, so I would like nothing more, especially now that there's a uh, litany of uh, of competitors to go against. For her to kind of come back with her championship, a la 
uh, you know, CM Punk, right? Like, uh, you know, you can crown a, uh, you know, interim title challenger or, or champion while I'm gone, but that is my title and I'm going to defend it. And whoever you put in front of me, I will demolish, which I think that's the credo. But I mean, Masa Slamovich make, getting a submission win over Janae Kai, uh, and it was quick. And it just shows you how quickly when uh, devious and honed tactics uh, could essentially end a match. One, two, three. And actually, it's KO or submission, so there's no uh, pinfalls at all, which is another dynamic. You mentioned the the no ropes, right? To basically force the competitors to engage rather than retreat. Um, but yes, we, we basically have the submission right off the bat. Um, really, really badass match. So that was that was Janae Kai and Masa Slamovich. Then we had Yoya against Ninja Mac. This one was fun, right? Because Ninja Mac, we weren't used to seeing him in this kind of environment. Right where you know Ninja Mac, he is a maybe a vertically challenged fellow, right? But he is somebody that the crowd gets behind in ways that remind me almost of Spike Dudley back in the day, right? The, the, you know the little engine that could uh, type deal. He is the proverbial underdog, right? And he actually uh, took off the mask. He, he was Sin Cara uh, in this deal where he was faceless, right? He basically showed his face to the world, uh, to the GCW uh, uh, audience, which he's done before. He's been unmasked before, but uh, this is a different presentation where he just, it's not that he started off with the mask and took it off. No, he takes it off. He's Ninja Mac, but you know, he's going out and uh, facing a tough competitor in Yoya. Um, I love the fact, and I didn't know this about Ninja Mac, and shout out to the commentary team for this, but I didn't know that Ninja Mac was a part of Cirque du Soleil, which makes so much sense now. Um, and he's incorporated that into a fight style. He ended up actually knocking out Yoya uh, with a amazing, almost Capoeira-esque uh, kick to the head, Yoyo was out, uh, but your your thoughts? You're going to see over match or over really great. Um, uh, 
spinning kick to the head. Uh, and, and what? He didn't even have shoes on. It was just his bare feet, right? Right. Right. So that's bone so, on bone. How crazy. Yes. How crazy is that? Yeah, so, it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and again, you, you know, um, they say that, you know, uh, uh, I, I can't remember the euphemism. It's something to the effect of a horse of a different name, something or other, what have you. But what I'm trying to say is Ninja Mac, right, um, who is per, is a perennial high flyer, deathmatch wrestler and what have you, showing that he had the goods, right? I, I don't think there was any question about Yoya. Uh, Yoya has a you know, a, a background in martial arts, I believe takes uh, jujitsu and what have you. But Ninja Mac is, especially to a GCW audience, which this was absolutely a GCW audience, right? I, I don't think we'd seen that in, in him, right? And that was so surprising. Right. We always knew that he could get it done, you know, between the ropes, right? But now he's in a world where the ropes do not exist and don't come into play. And here he is shining. Um, and I mean, if you're Josh Barnett, you got to book Ninja Mac, you know, in Bloodsport 9. That, that's <laughs> that's it, right? It's a right. no-brainer. And I think also in terms of the lower weight classes, because we saw a lot of heavyweights, even, you know, in like Biff Music and Moxley, who aren't big guys in a, like a Vince McMahon ideology or what have you, but they're still, you know, you know, 5'11", 5'10", 6 foot, right? Um, Jonah and Josh Barnett, that's a, those are two big boys, right? With legendary credentials behind them, right? But these are almost like a, 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 a MMA flyweight fight, you know, 125 pounders that they can show they could bang just as well as some of the bigger uh, competitors on the same card, which I thought was amazing. This was, to me, was a perfect and flawless match. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I have to agree. Yeah, absolutely. So here we go. We're kind of uh, bringing back SoCal because this happened in Texas, but we had Bad Dude Tito and Royce Isaacs. Uh, Bad Dude Tito uh, and Royce Isaacs were on uh, this very show uh, prior to the last Bloodsport, I believe it was, uh, Bloodsport 7. Uh, and I didn't know. I mean, Bad, T Bad Dude Tito to me, is one of the, he, he's definitely a character, right? But I didn't mm -hmm. look at him as like, he almost spoke to me in a previous incarnation, almost like as a, like a skate punk, like, like the Dogtown and Z-Boys-esque, you know, uh, persona, right? Him and Scum and all of that. And then he, you know, he became a wolf zaddy, right? But even this, like, Bad Dude Tito in Bloodsport almost reminds me of a pre-Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. Like the mm -hmm. singlet, the body type, and the legit grappling credentials that he's picked up due to his jiu-jitsu prowess. It's amazing. And then Royce, Royce Isaacs. I called him Royce because I'm thinking MMA, Brazilian, Portuguese. But um, Royce Isaacs, man, he is a guy who has shown himself to the New Japan strong audiences, uh, uh, the SoCal um you know, audiences. And I think this was a, an amazing uh, showing for both gentlemen uh, mm -hmm. who might not, you know, the audience might not be familiar with if they're not here in so Southern California, that you don't know these two. But this was an amazing showing by two big, 
big, beefy dudes who knew how to get it done uh, when the bell rang. Yeah, 100%. I think um, the SoCal scene doesn't get their recognition, recognized, doesn't get recognized enough in how much talent Southern California really has. And I'm grateful that we have, you know, GCW does fly out and other, you know, prestige flies out to showcase Southern California talent because for a long time, we don't, we, it's, rare to have a SoCal talent be a top star or, or be shined and, you know, no discredit to all the SoCal talent that, you know, are, are, they're all, in my opinion, all of them are stars. You know, I support all of them because we, in my opinion, we have, of course, I'm going to backtrack. We have the Buxer from SoCal. We have Scorpio Sky from SoCal. We have Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus that are, that, are from SoCal, um, you know, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and, and so many more, but that list, and then of course, Brody King, so you can't forget him, and, and Tyler Bateman, so there's so many people, uh, professional wrestlers that are from Southern California, that now we are, I'm, now that we are seeing more talent people from, from the West Coast and from Southern California getting that recognition. And I really uh, want to thank Josh Barnett for bringing the talent that Southern California has to offer because I feel we are now getting that recognition, you know, we're, get, we're now getting that recognition, recognition for sure. that we, that in my opinion, they deserve. Because for the longest time, you see people from the East Coast and the Midwest. And now I think with uh, having Bad Dude Tito and Royce Isaacs, who are wonderful people, I like that the fact that he put them together because they know how to work together. They know each other's styles. They've been in the ring before, et cetera. And to see how, and just to showcase um, the talent that both of them have, not because, you know, not because of where they're from, but because they are going to be future stars and how much talent they have and how much they've worked hard too. You can't forget that. Like the, they're, they've worked really, really hard uh, to be in this position where they are. And I think that they deserve it. And I hope that when um, the next blood sport, I'm hoping that's around double or nothing in May, Bloodsport nine. I hope we get to see much, you know, more talent like them soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, you're probably I'm going to be a broken record. Like, oh, I love this finish. I love this finish. I love this finish. Yeah. But it, this is this is kind of what we get into, which is completely different than you know seventy you know uh, super kicks or DDTs in one match, right? It, mm-hmm. it, in theory, if Jake the Snake Roberts can drop. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's head and crack it on the bo- on the floor of the Boston Gardens with one DDT. I mean, you just need one, right? So the finishing yeah. sequence in this, right, um, is literally uh, Isaac's delivers uh, a German suplex. Tito rolls through, locks in a knee bar. Uh, Royce Isaac's hits a T-bone suplex, then a Dragon sleeper, and then goes works around the back of the leg of Isaac's. Isaacs rolls through and locks T- Bad Dude Tito in a guillotine submission. Like that right there. For me, who are, you know, might be trying to introduce 
a, a friend that might not be initiated on how right. the you know the independent scene of wrestling works, right? And right. they're just like, oh, I don't like the WWE, and that's why I don't watch. I can just plug them in, don't tell them whatever, just fire up the TV, fire up the Fight TV app, show them this, and this is it. This, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, it, it gets said, right? It, a lot, oftentimes in, in Jeff Hardy Swanton Bombs, but this is poetry in motion. I, I thought it was. Mm -hmm. It was so right. static. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. But also, like, when you said you, you know, you bring friends who don't, you know, and all that stuff. All my friends are wrestling fans, so I don't have any friends who are not wrestling fans. So you know, I don't, I don't, I can't understand that part. But um, I do, uh, I do agree. You know that uh, these two really, really showcase their talents um, at Bloodsport, and I hope a lot of people uh, see that and they get offers. You know, I know Royce Isaacs. You know, and and Badu Tito. They're doing New Japan Strong, which is awesome they're freaking wonderful at doing that and um i really hope that uh in the near future they succeed you know they, they're going to be succeeding in this business and you know guarantee they're going to be top guys yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, we forget you know royce isaac is a former nwa tag team champion so you know getting a little bit of recognition outside of just the socal southern california right. scene so you know it's like your favorite band right you're like i like that band and then you see somebody who might not like that genre of music and you see them rocking the shirt and go like where did we all go wrong but in this case mm -hmm. right in tito and isaacs and a lot of the socal guys and girls that are starting to venture off and it could be you could be an east coast you know and your right. east coast talent comes out here or pacific northwest you know talent comes out here we're seeing defy kind of you know make their claim of the southern california market and what have you it, i i think it's amazing that you get to uh essentially go on an excursion you know kind of barring the ideology of new japan right but you know once right. you when to, you know, start doing your young lion training, you basically go on an excursion, learn different styles, and then you come back with all of the skills um, encompassed to essentially go on arguably one of the biggest runs of your career. Right. See? 100%. Yeah. So this one yeah. was, it was shocking to me because um, I really didn't know much of Slade. Um, but this was Slade versus Alex Coughlin. Coughlin, familiar with, uh, been on the show uh, this is a guy who's out of the uh, New Japan LA dojo. Um, Jesus, you know, like th those guys that are coming out of the, the LA dojo, again, you know, in terms of the prominence of the Southern California scene, you know, uh, I would say just as much as any given promotion, uh, like a PWG or, or any of the Southern California, we're seeing prestige come in, you know, like you said, uh, GCW come in. Uh, I, I think the the LA Dojo, right, with what they're producing in their first class, um, mm -hmm. just amazing, amazing talent. And Coughlin, um, I was talking to my um, buddy Eddie Torres the other day from the Rock and Roll Beer uh, Beer Guy podcast, and he was like, "Yeah, he, I mean, Coughlin looks like Dan Severed. He looks like, uh, you know, uh, like a like an evil villain." from uh, from a, a 1980s or 1990s kind of, you know, punch and kick game, you know, like the Streets of Rage or what have you. Um, and he deadlifts everything. Uh, there is a credibility that comes in uh, in, right, in um, Alex Conflin that I really 
not and i don't want to dissuade anyone else of you know the current scene or whatever but there's there's you know some people just have it right and you don't know what that it is you can't teach that it whatever um even even the move set right you can do a move and make it mean something or you could do that same move a thousand times and not it not mean anything uh mm -hmm. Alex Coughlin is a guy that just strikes me as someone who does all of the little nuances right the way that he comes to the ring especially in this environment of blood sport where it is a fight you know they were I'm saying fight one fight two fight three and Alex Coughlin is that guy that you would you know the Patrick Swayze character in Roadhouse, right? You know the the badass. I'm very you know, young. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that badass at the end of the bar. You know that that type of you know presentation. You know, but then right. to his credit, Slade did too. You know, and yeah. Slade, I I wouldn't want to run into Slade in a dark alley. Like that dude might mess up my whole grill. Yeah, like I don't think I want to walk into an alley with any of these competitors that are on blood sport. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'll watch, mind my business. I'll watch. I'll record. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That'll be your contribution to World Star, right? <laughs> or, or or wrestling some. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of those wrestling things that you know do fun uh, stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but in this one, you know, a a beautiful finish, right? Where uh, the ending sequence is, you know, Coughlin, you know, they're just basically forearming each other, right? And Slade grabs the throat of Coughlin. Uh, Coughlin's on the mat, right? And they're just kind of there. There comes a time, right, where you meet your match, right, and everything that you had in your arsenal, you throw it at that person, and that person is still standing there, and it could disorient you. That's to what I feel like the Undertaker did. You punch him, punch him, punch him, and he just looks at you, and it's just like, ah, what the hell, right? Um, and that that statement it was a nice crescendo to the action that was had in between Slade and Conflin, right? And the center of the ring, just duking it out, right? Um, and then what end up what ends up happening is Coughlin pops out a deadlift German suplex, right? And then for a finish, making sure that again, I'm not letting this guy get away, right? I just deadlifted him, you know, like dead weight, lifted him into a German suplex. I'm not gonna waste any time and slaps in a rear naked choke. And Slade tries to fight it off tries to fight it off. And that is the fighting spirit of Slade. Uh, again, I didn't know much about Slade prior to going into this, but like Slade proved himself to me to be a badass. Like he's a badass and he's willing to go out on a shield, right? Rather than try to save ways, try to save face on like, oh, that was a BS call or whatever. Like I wasn't really out or whatever. He could have tapped. He could have tapped, you know? And he was like, almost in a Mick Foley-esque kind of um, uh, expression of, of what he was feeling inside. Like, he seemed to relish in the pain, right? Almost a smile. And that's the last thing that you see before he goes out. And he goes out so quickly and suddenly. And that just shows when, uh, you know, um, something is basically pr putting pressure on your jugular vein, it's night-night. It, it happens. And to oh, the right. extent where... You know, when the referee called for the bell, right? Slate gets up and goes, oh, wait, we're, we're still fighting, right? 
because that's how <laughs> knockouts happen. That's when you get when you go night night unceremoniously. Those are the it's things that though. happen. Yeah, that's it. Like you're done. Yeah, I, I I thought that I like that that Josh Barnett puts um, certain people in these type of matches. Um, obviously, I don't know the like what he actually does. Obviously, backstage, does he pick the guys to fight or do the uh, or he asks them who do you want to be in the match with? But I think with Josh Barnett, he really, really is. Um, in my opinion, I think he's a genius when it comes to this type of stuff because he's um, having people fight in these in this type of style who either probably never been in the ring before or have, but are doing it in a different type of way. And I think that overall, this was a great match. Um, sometimes I wish um, it would have turned out a little bit different, but I liked how it did go out because now he's realizing, wait a minute, that we were still going. And then that brings in a story. It shows a story and it elevates that story into probably the next blood sport. So that's the beauty of this type of nature when it comes to either professional wrestling or, or blood sport is that at the end of the day, they're showing a story and that story can end up at the next blood sport or it could just be like, you know what? This is the end of the story. We're going to move on to the next. So that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. And I, I love that you said that because there is a match on this card, and we'll definitely get to that, uh, where th that essentially we had a overrun storyline uh, come over from uh, Bloodsport 7 here in L.A. to Bloodsport 8, but we'll definitely get to that. Uh, Shane Husky says, this is Shane. Adam, Anissa, what's up? Hello. Our, Hello. Uh, Yes, our compatriot at Bodyslam.net and the Roundtable Pro Wrestling Podcast that can be found right on the channels in which you are viewing this. So uh, shout out to uh, Bodyslam.net and the rest of the crew there. Uh, yes, yes. Now, man, all killer, no filler. This one, I was very intrigued, right? Because we had Simon Gotch, right? Formerly of the VOD Villains, former NXT Tag Team Champion. He is a... Uh, you know, a, a grappling aficionado, right? In his time away from the uh, the the WWE, he's essentially, you know, immersed himself in jujitsu and catch wrestling, you know, training with the likes of Harry Smith, Josh Barnett, um, a litany of, I think even uh, Dave Bautista in uh, some in, in interactions and what have you. So this is a guy who can really get it done. Um, and again, this is where, like, you didn't see money in, in Simon Gotts, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but again, I'm not in Stanford, so that it is what it is. For better or for worse, it is what it is. But he goes against another uh, recently released talent, and I do mean that in the best uh, sense of the word, every instance of the word, but John Hennigan. I don't care if you call him Johnny Bloodsport, Johnny Nitro, you know, uh, John Morrison, what have you. He is creatively physically one of the biggest and most innovative performers of the last i'd say 50 years uh in hennigan mm -hmm. and but one thing that i haven't seen we've seen hennigan you know basically push the boundaries of uh what a human body can do right the way that he trains himself in parkour and uh you know lifting weights but in an unconventional way right but what does that equate to in blood sport 
And we we saw right off the bat where he comes out with a fight banner and MMA style shorts, you know, mm-hmm. and he's ready to go. And you know, Hennigan has been a involved in the you know the pro wrestling game to the highest levels for arguably about fifteen years, right? Yeah. And this wasn't something that I saw in him, right? This presentation, he's not at all, right? But I've never seen him in this type of environment, which was intriguing. Um, man, so b- before we get, really get into it, like what when you saw Gotch Hennigan, what were you thinking? Well, first of all, I think John is a is very talented in many ways. Um, he does have that gymnastics background, so I think that really helped him with this type of match. And a lot of people don't really like know that he does. He has a gymnastics background, um, but I feel like with John, he's always looking for something new and fresh. I mean, he has his own movie. He he did that and you know excelled in that, and then now. Um, you know, he went to Lucha, you know, Lucha Underground. He excelled what Lucha Underground was trying to do and make it into a TV show, like a wrestling TV show. And we got that aspect of John uh, Morris or John Hennigan. And now we're seeing him doing um, blood sport. And I think this is a way to show, okay, I've done a lot of things in my career anybody else can do the same thing if they want to do it or believe in it. And I would like to see uh, Hennigan more on Bloodsport. I want to see him, who else can he, you know, do this with or, you know, whoever, because, you know, we do got, you know, formerly known as Simon Gotch on and he is a wrestler as well. And I feel like that really helped in a way, but I kind of want to see, you know, John fight someone like Tito, you know, so I'm a little bit bigger. I mean, not saying, you know, John isn't a big guy, but you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's, it's wild because I, I, I guess we could talk about the nuances of the match, but I think the long-term ramifications uh, of the match, I, I think for me, much like you, what, could we do like this is like the 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 jumping the launching pad for John Hennigan in Bloodsport, right? I, to me, after seeing him basically beat Simon Gotch with Simon Gotch's you know uh, his uh, credentials in terms of the grappling arts, right? right. Um, that the fact that Hennigan beats him by submission, not by KO, because he could have just as easily uh, as uh, you know hit one of those. Uh, the moves, almost a parkour-esque move or a capoeira-esque move, much like Ninja Mac on, you know, earlier on the show, right? He could have right. done that. The fact that he does it by submission, if that means there's a whole nother uh, gaggle of opportunities in terms of in-ring per- performer, ways that he can express himself, you know, in movies. Like, I, I actually want to see John Hennigan against Minoru Suzuki. That's a match. No, that would be good. I I'm in. I'm signed. Yeah, I'm in too. Sign me too. up. You know. So again, um, this was a you know a, a cross arm breaker. I believe it was um, that Hedigan uh, gets gotch in, and it was again just poetry in motion. And these two have a a chemistry. You know, um, they 
maybe we're not going to see it in Bloodsport, right? But they have a mm-hmm. chemistry with each other that I definitely want. If if I'm a promoter, right, an independent wrestling promoter anywhere in the contiguous United States and even Alaska and Hawaii, I'm mm-hmm. like seeing this. I'm going to book these two. Almost yeah, if you all- can afford them. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> Okay, so theoretically, if you're in Florida or maybe Southern California, right, where maybe one or both of them might uh, reside, I'd, I'd, I'd pay out, uh, you know, maybe a, a portion of the tax return to get those right. guys on my card. Yeah, <laughs> right? there you go. Yeah, so uh, I had a great match, both Gotch and uh, Hennigan. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm really proud. I'm always proud of, of Gotch and what he's been able to do uh, away from the WWE. You know, his, his body is better. His expression is better. You know, the stuff that he was doing or does in MLW is amazing. The character work that he's a creative type in his own right, you know, and to see these two, in this in this environment, I, I just you know it, it makes it pretty easy for for Barnett who is handpicking each and every person on the card because he uh, Josh Barnett doesn't lend his name to anything that he doesn't believe in. And so I totally see why uh, Josh booked this match as a former UFC champion. Right, mm-hmm. he knew what it could do uh, to the crowd. Uh, you know, and it just exceeded my expectations watching at home. I could only imagine what it must be there for somebody that watched it live uh, at the GCW Collective. Right, right. Yes. So as we move on, right, we have, uh, remember we were alluding to to long-term storytelling in terms of blood sport? Well, we definitely had it here because we had one, uh, one quarter of the four horsewomen of MMA, Marina Shafir, uh, mm-hmm. the problem Shafir, going up against uh, Zeta Zhang. Now, both of these athletes uh, had a bit of history down in NXC where they were signed to developmental. Uh, Zeta Zhang was on the show prior to Bloodsport 8, and she's just like, I don't know what the hell it is. It seems like she has a problem with me, which... You know, that gives length to Marina's uh, moniker of the problem, right? Not only is she a physical problem with you in the ring, on the mats, but she is a problem, um, you know, and uh, you just don't want to be on her bad side. So what, for whatever reason, Zeta Zhang found herself on the bad side. But I also think it was this, because right after Marina's match at Bloodsport 7 here in L.A. at the Ukrainian Cultural Center, mm-hmm. um Zeta Zhang comes out after her match, and she had a crazy match, match of the night contender with KZT, right? And that mm-hmm. was, a, I mean, a almost a blood and guts affair uh, for both competitors. And she comes out after Marina Shafir's match and goes like, I don't know what, what the heat is, you and me or whatever, but we're going to settle it here. We're going to settle it at Bloodsport, right? And right. Uh, this this is the situations that that were had, you know, in the kind of a build up to this match. Um, for me, um, a lot of people don't know uh, that Zeta Zhang actually was an undefeated uh, mixed martial artist before coming into uh, pro wrestling. Right? She actually mm-hmm. was training at Black House MMA, which is one of the elite gyms of, in the world, uh, but definitely in LA. Uh, as she gets the call uh, for her WWE tryout. So she was training with a lot of, you know, legit MMA competitions. She was legit. Uh, but again, 
Marina Shafir, Ronda Rousey's training partner since they were like 12, like, you know, not even like middle school age, they've known each other. You know, they travel the world literally dumping people on their necks in terms of being world-class judoka uh, practitioners, right? So these are two women, but definitely athletes that can get it done no matter where the fight goes, striking, uh, grappling, you know? And then in addition to this, we have a little bit of a hot streak. We have a little bit of tension, or maybe a lot of tension between these two. Uh, so it just made, you know, it it made for a powder keg that was going to be lit uh, during the the collective at Bloodsport Eight. Uh, what did you think about this match? I thought it was great. Um, I think Marina uh, is going to be like this the feet like. I just feel like she is the star of Bloodsport, Marina. I think she's going to be like, I don't want to compare her to anybody because that's not what I'm trying to do because she, she's talented in her own right. Um, but I feel like she's going to be that top star for the females um, for Bloodsport. And... I think with that background that she has, I think she deserves it because she is talented. She knows what she's doing. She's been doing this forever. And she does also have that wrestling back, a little bit of that wrestling background as well. So I hope we get to see her in a wrestling ring someday. But I think Bloodsport is where she belongs. Like that's her zone. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely- and whoever whoever comes in, if Josh this Josh Barnett decides to have titles or whatever, I think Marina uh, should be the first woman to win to have to win uh, a title if he decides to do to do that. Um, but overall, I think if you get in the ring, if you get in the ring with Marina or in the mat with Marina, she's going to make you a star as well as she's going to make herself a star. No, 100%, 100%. Now, this match wasn't without a, its share of controversy because um, th- this was almost like a cornucopia of submissions, right? Where Marina, you know, starts in on a leg lock, tries to get it in. She can't get it in full bore, so she, you know, starts going towards the head, you know, joint manipulations in terms of the arms and everything like that. And, again, the rules um, at play at butt sport there are no pins. It's just submissions and knockouts, right? Mm -hmm. So with that all being said, um, and this is uh, kind of in the vein of of mixed martial arts, right? You don't have to physically just tap, but if it's a verbal tap, right? Like a ah, right? Because you can't tap if somebody's separating your shoulder. You can't tap if somebody's breaking your bone, right? So a verbal tap. And this, you know, I guess it was the the overwhelming uh, sense of the numerous uh, submissions that Marina was placing on Zeta, that Zeta, there might have been something, you know, wrong there, verbal tap, and that gets it done. The referee, a lot of people were saying, oh, early stoppage or what have you, oh, that's Josh Barnett's girl. I, you know, in the auspices of mixed martial arts and combat sports, that is it. You want to make sure that, because a fighter is not going to tell you, oh, I quit. A warrior is not going to tell you, 
they quit. So the role, the, the role of the referee is to protect the person even for themselves, right? And I think this was a great call um, by the referee. Uh, but, I mean, we had the verbal in, uh, uh, interaction with Zeta and Marina, Bloodsport 7. We had an actual match that, again, has a bit of controversy. I think, And, it's, need- and it's a story. Yes, absolutely. So I'm in for, you know, uh, Bloodsport 9, Marina yeah. and uh, Zeta, the war to settle the score. That's what I feel. I Yeah, I 100% agree. Yes. So um, now we have, on paper, it would look like a, a, a mismatch, but I think this was, it, just in terms of skill set, this worked out absolutely great but we had none other than jr kratos right going up against timothy thatcher and we talked a lot about socal right the socal independent wrestling scene but these two uh thatcher being from sacramento jr kratos also from uh up north uh uh, North so that's NorCal. That's not yeah. SoCal. No, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like the, these two were definitely NorCal represent because we talked a lot about SoCal, but this is where NorCal gets to gets to show themselves just a bit uh, on this on this particular card. So uh, again, this is the Battle of the Bay Area, uh, Thatcher and Kratos, right? And uh, Thatcher, I want to say this is one of his first uh, first. Uh, matches or first fights since Mm -hmm. leaving the WWE, right? So this was, there was a lot of anticipation online to see what he can do, especially, you know, given what he was prior to signing to the WWE, as well as um, what he learned, right? The the toolage of knowledge that he amassed while being there in uh, WWE developmental NXT whatever you want to call it. That's where it was, Mm -hmm. Winter Park, Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we were pretty intrigued to see what we were going to see out of Tim Thatcher. Now, J.R. Kratos, right? Kratos is one who is in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's traveled the world over. And I think, you know, in terms of um, storyline threats, right? Uh, The way that Kratos won this match, it was a Superman punch to the ground of Thatcher. This was a back-and-forth affair, uh, Timothy Thatcher showing all of it, the, the fighting spirit, you know, the fight forever. Every, you know, incarnation that you, or, or um, euphemism that you think in terms of Japanese strong style wrestling, you know, yeah. apply it to Timothy Thatcher's match here. This is exactly it. Um, but it's also American strong style because he's, he's, he's a Californian. He's an American, you know? So right. it was really cool to see uh, that. Um now, him taking on Kratos, who, I mean, Kratos is a mountain. He, he's a mountain of a man. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I see a neck. It's just a boulder. He's just just mass, and every bit of his mass wants to mess you up, mess up your face, tear up your, your tendons, all of it. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Kratos has been able to do is this, this like, prone Superman punch, right, where his opponent pr- prone – and he hits you with the Superman punch. I believe it, his Bloodsport debut might have been around Bloodsport 4 or 5. Um, not good with numbers, but it was definitely a previous incarnation of Bloodsport, where he finishes his opponent the same way. And imagine, right? Take all your, you know, your fandom of wrestling, everything, whatever. If you see a guy that size, you're already in a, um, a horrible state where you're on the ground. You're on the ground, incapacitated, 
right? And when you come to, you see this 280-plus-pound person coming at you, rolling back his fists, and that thing mm -hmm. is going to come towards you, right, with mm -hmm. all of the velocity that his power can generate. Uh, not a fun deal for Thatcher. And to me, the way that they're using uh, J.R. Kratos' Superman punch it almost reminds me of the build of the one wing angel, like nobody kicks out of it until somebody kicks out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if they, they mean it to be that way or what, but this is a, a nice little thing out of the back pocket of Kratos to pull out, uh, you know, and it also shows his agility. You, you're not expecting a man that size to move that quickly, but Kratos does it, you know, and he was able to, you know, tit for tat, keep up with Thatcher, you know, or who you would think would be the, the smaller, quicker, faster. And that wasn't necessarily the case in every interaction. Right, right. And I mean, there was blood, so yes. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if there's blood, you have my attention. Um, I thought this was a overall great, great show. Um, can you remind me, didn't J.R. Kratos, was at the Ukraine Center for Blood Sport? Yes, yes, he yeah, was. Yeah, and he got, he, I think, believe he got a big pop, too. Yes, yes, he did. Because I was sitting on stage where I usually sit for GCW, and um, the, I remember him getting, like, a really, really big pop. And it was people that I've never seen before. And it was a different type of crowd. It was like, and it, it's not like, it felt like it was just people, because people, are, I think someone told me he's from Orange, he lives in Orange County. So a lot of folks from Orange County came to LA at the Ukraine Center to see him. And you could tell like he, he really is talented as well as, he really brought a lot of people to sh to showcase. Hey, man, come see my shit. Come see my match. And um, I think that um, I like to see him more on Bloodsport. I think him fighting different people would would be great for Bloodsport. And um, bring on the blood. Yeah, let there be blood. Yeah, there you go. absolutely. And the Thatcher man, there isn't uh, there there isn't anything more that I could say to profess my love for Timothy Thatcher and the style that he represents, you know, in this, it, you know, this day and age is wrestling where a lot of it can be, I don't know. There, there, there might be a lot of flips. There might be a lot of things and what have you, but Thatcher, you can look at that guy and like, Oh, well that, whatever he's doing, that might be real. And he's scary, you know? So great showing by both men. Uh, this is exactly what Bloodsport is about uh, and bringing the blood, right? The first, uh, the first uh, sight of blood that we right. got to see on this card, uh, and is absolutely apropos. It, it <laughs> won't even say that it was poetic justice. Right, right. Absolutely. So uh, this one, I, I I didn't know what to expect, right? But we had uh, Yuya Umura, and Umura had an original opponent. I forgot who that was. But uh, the original opponent, uh, unfortunately, doesn't get to compete at Bloodsport. I believe it was an injury, uh, and forgive me for not remembering who it was, but I remember seeing on the Twitter feed, Josh Barnett, he put out the, 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 the war master call of, hey, we need somebody to step in against you, yeah? What do we got, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it was even 20 minutes, and 
he is like, we're going to announce who replace uh, you as appointed. And it was speedball Mike Bailey. For yeah. me, this is the first time I, you know, seeing Mike Bailey. Obviously, knew him from PWG and his exploits all around the world. Um, but this is where, you know, where Speedball Mike Bailey is proficient in is Taekwondo, right? Which mm-hmm. is a striking discipline. He got to show this against arguably, uh, mark my words, this is uh, April 5th, 2022. Yuya Umura, he kind of reminds me of Tanahashi. He might be mm-hmm. in a Tanahashi S, uh, you know, uh, uh, spot really um, five or ten years from now, like the, the mm-hmm. same way that we saw uh, Tanahashi or Okada on their excursions here. There's something right. about Yuya that just he reminds me. He even looks a bit of Tanahashi uh, in his youth, right? Um, but this one was a an amazing affair. Right, where uh, Bailey got to show every bit of that taekwondo prowess that he brings into uh, all of his matches. You know, we saw kicks and punches, and you know, managing his distance and a flurry of uh, forearms and bringing back. You know, you had arm drags, and to me, I love a good arm drag. You know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was arguably one of the best, in my opinion, to do like that deep, deep arm drag. Right, and we don't see that too much anymore. But Bailey brings it back, you know. Um, you know, finishes it off with a flurry of forearms, and Yuya finds a way to counter, you know, and mm-hmm. he offers his own forearms, right? Uh, Yuya essentially you know, looks to set up an armbar. Uh, Bailey, yes, Taekwondo, but he has a little bit of submission defense, uh, maybe mm-hmm. even more than a smattering of submission defense because, um, he figures out a way to get his hand underneath, right, and just get out, right? And, uh, you know, they basically fall to the canvas because they were at a stalemate. Like, you have me on this hold, I have you on another, and you just kind of fall outside, which, again, that's a whole nother, um rules of engagement that you don't necessarily take into account, right? Because you're used to maybe the ropes catching you, right? Where they're they're at a stalemate and they're trying to roll each other out, whatever, and they fall on the floor. It was a pretty nasty bump. I think somebody hit the, I want to say it was Yuya hit the back of his head uh, against the uh, concrete and then Bailey right after him, I think he hits the, uh, the hard part of the ring first, the ring apron, and then hits the ground first. It was nasty and for lesser people they would have said nope that's it and we're gonna double ko or whatever but i wouldn't have to i, I would hate to have to go back uh to josh barnett and the rest of the blood sport roster and go oh i just couldn't continue that didn't look like uh that would be regarded very highly in that circle so yuya and mike bailey uh basically you know battle and uh it's actually Yuya that gets a cross arm breaker to make Sweetball Mike Bailey tap out. Um, I've seen a lot of Yuya. Um, I like everything that I'm seeing about Yuya, but Mike Bailey I've, again. This was a this was just a version of Mike Bailey, um, sure towards that the Taekwondo black belt that he is. Yeah, and I, I think this is a real treat for the fans who haven't seen Mike Bailey in a long time for um, circumstances. Uh, 
with with Mike Bailey and um, to hear him coming, being able to come back to the United States after a, a very, a few, few, you know, long time, but short time. And uh, I feel like Mike Bailey is a real treat to a lot of people who are able to see him for the first time in a long time or never seen him before. And this is their first time witnessing him. And I think that Mike Bailey is, is a star in his own right, um, as well as, you know, Yuya is a star in his own right. And I think having these two go face each other really excelled their, their match for, for Bloodsport. Um, I think, uh, I hope we get to see Mike Bailey again in Bloodsport. I'm curious to know if, if that does happen, who he will face. Because um, I know he faced it, um, he faced it, uh, Ninja Mac at the GCW show at the Ukraine, you know, the, uh, the Ukraine Center. And um, that was gnarly. That was a gnarly match. But overall, it was entertaining. And I think that overall, um, these two really excelled what we saw today or what we saw at Bloodsport. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, after each and every match, right, we're, we're kind of deep in this card, right? And like, how can I follow that? How can I follow that? How can I follow that? And Mike Bailey and Yuya uh, are no exception to the rule. But how do they follow it? Oh, none other than Jonah against the namesake of Josh Burnett's Bloodsport, former IWGP, Meta Morris, UFC, heavyweight champion. The war master, Josh Barnett. And again, I didn't know how this one was going to go. Obviously, yeah. anybody who knows Josh Barnett in his catch wrestling, jujitsu prowess, um, his MMA credentials that are a laundry list long, right? A honeydew list long. Um, it, it's, it's crazy, right? But Jonah, Jonah pros real competition. I'm not saying that he had... Barnett had never had real competition before because at uh, New Japan Strong uh, here, I think in Riverside, uh, not too long ago, last year, uh, he Josh Barnett basically faced a student uh, in Alex Coughlin, right? So uh, Josh Barnett and Jonah, this was intriguing to me because there are a few times that Josh Barnett is undersized, and this was one of them, right? Now, Jonah might not be as tall as Barnett, um, and, you know, the combat sports credentials might not be as vast, but the sheer girth and what he was able to do with the girth. He reminded me almost of a Gary Albright or a Vader at sorts, you know, Ooh. of a you know, athletic big man that could literally get it done in the ring. Um, I loved every bit of this. And again, you, you're not used to seeing Josh Burnett come from underneath, right? and have to fight his way out of, you know, particular situations. And this is what we saw with Jonah. Jonah is, Jonah is a star. There, there's yeah. no if, ands, or buts in my mind. Obviously, that's what, you know, the reason, one of the many reasons why he was signed. Um, you know, one of the many reasons he became uh, the NXT North American champion. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm actually glad he didn't progress any further under that system because what he got and what he's showing in his time away from Stanford, from Winter Park, is amazing. Um, and would you have thought, I mean, if you're Jonah, would you have thought you would be getting in there with a former IWGP and UFC world champion and the youngest UFC heavyweight champion that there has been in Josh Barnett, a literal legend? 
Like we're really not too far in age, me and Barnett. But the things that he's accomplished in his years versus mine, I'm all like Barnett, right? Uh, right. So, so this one was amazing. This was a David and Goliath struggle where, you know, anything that Barnett tried to do, everything that he has learned from Billy Robinson and Carl Gotch and Eric Paulson, you know, everything that he's, you know, uh, found along the way, training with Harry Smith and Natalia and, and Shayna Baszler and uh, Marina Shafir, Justin Duke, all of that, right? Um, Chris Dickinson. There's the, the people that Barnett has trained with and who he has trained are again just as big as the accomplishments that he's he's attained in combat sports. But my goodness, Jonah, figure it out a way and how crafty he is because you could be a big guy, right, or big guy, big girl, and not know how to use your your physical advantages to your advantage. But this is one thing that Jonah has done, and that's why I feel like. Jonah could be one of the biggest stars of the next 20 years, right? Because he just, he has an appeal, right? You are drawn to him. And it's not just his size. He's got charisma to boot. But what he showed, right? The, the amount of mental fortitude, right? To step up against a legend that is Josh Barnett and go like, no, nah, motherfucker, like we're going, right? And figuring it out. Uh, to me, Jonah was... Josh, one of Josh Barnett's biggest competitors in, in the literal and figurative sense. Right, right. And I, I, I really want to like wonder like, what was it about Jonah that Josh Barnett decided to have this match with? Is it the physique? Is it because he hasn't he wants to go against somebody that size or wants to put somebody over, which Jonah is already over anyways, but, but also um, what, what was it behind? What was it? Why did you pick Jonah? That's the question that I want to know, because is it just to see, I want to prove myself better or is it because I want to fight anybody and anyone who's available, but I think that they, this was an overall great, great match. Like you said, it was just um, like a David and Goliath situation. But at the same time, I don't see it that way because Josh Burnett is, has a lot of muscles. And Jonah is a big guy. So I just think that this was great. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not going to speak for Josh Barnett. Nobody should ever do right. that other than him himself. But, right. you know, I, I, what I do know, right, of Stu Hart, right, father of Brad and Owen and the rest of the Hart clan, right, the patriarch of the Hart clan, where, you know, he was a catch wrestler in his own right. And anytime he would come to the Hart house or whatever, he starts sizing you up and hey, I look like a big rhino and, and start trying to grapple you. Right, and sure. you know, I, mean, I don't know, but sure. Right? So, but that's that's the thing. Like, you know, if you're on the mats of, you know, jujitsu or catch wrestling or sambo or what have you, right? You're like, okay, if I've got a skill set, I want to apply this to anything and everyone that I can. I want to see if it works against people that are smaller than me, both, you know, in terms of height and weight. But I also want to see if that works. You know, against people that are bigger than me, vast. You know, 
Um, so again, I can't I speak for Burnett, but I want to believe it's just testing the metal. All of the years that he spent under Anoki, under the years that he spent under Billy Robinson, learning his craft, right? Being a, a, a wrestler, pre-catch wrestling, right? Just a wrestler in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, whatever, you know, all of that. Like, what can I do to apply it? Because I'm not, you know, you're not getting into fights in, at the bars, you know, or whatever. So what better way than to showcase everything that has encompassed his career than this match of Jonah. And you saw all of the greatest hits. You saw, you know, Josh Barnett's Muay Thai. You saw, you know, knees and punches and clinches and back body drops. And the final stanza uh, ended up being Josh Barnett figuring out a way to suplex Jonah. Um, mm -hmm. God, it wasn't a T-bone suplex. It was like a, like a underhook suplex. Uh, mm -hmm. Jonah, you know, and use Jonah's momentum against him, uh, which is, you know, jujitsu 101, catch wrestling 101, using your opponent's momentum. If you're outsized and outmatched, use their momentum against you. And that's what Barnett did, you know, and uh, and I believe it was a, the knockout uh, that that uh, Barnett administered to Jonah. Actually, nope, so it was a submission, right? A spinning, uh, yeah, that's another thing. Josh Barnett, spinning heel kick. Barnett is 6'4", doing spinning heel kicks. Anybody could do a spinning heel kick. You just got to train. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. All right. I'm going to start. I think Matt some... can do it. This Josh is Barnett true. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, this is facts. This is facts. There might be a little bit more girth for me uh, than Ninja Mac. Uh, but... I'd rather get hit by Ninja Mac than Josh Barnett because Josh Barnett is tall and is a you know, has that type of background. Exactly, exactly. And now, uh, Jesse Duarte wants to know, what is it about Bloodsport that you two like? Um, I, I, first... I like, I like the blood. Um, I, if I see blood, then I'm into it. Knock yeah. somebody out, I'm into it. That That's what I like about Bloodsport. Um, you know, MMA, UFC is great. And all, but I think blood sport shows it's different, obviously, because there's professional wrestlers doing this, and um, we get to see uh, blood, which I like. Obviously, I'm a death match type of girl, and we get to see other talent when it comes to professional wrestling and what other wrestlers can do and and excel their talent. No, uh, I. I love that. That was amazing. Now, for me, uh, I think Bloodsport, right, and the way that Josh Burnett presents it, it's um, – Anissa and I were talking off air, right, in terms of what I feel is the complete fighter, right? It's somebody that can strike, right? But then when you have a taekwondo black belt, or black belt, you you know you you're a, an avid world champion boxer, or even a novice that is just learning the ropes or whatever. But if you get taken down, what happens, right? Well, mm -hmm. grappling of some sort happens, right? To to be able to finish somebody because if you as a striker get knocked to the mm -hmm. ground, guess what? Ninety percent of your arsenal goes right out the window, right? Yeah. Um, you know, even to defend, right? To drop your weight down. And, you know, sink in your knees so somebody doesn't take you down. That's a little bit of grappling defense. That's wrestling defense, right? So that means you have a little bit of grappling, right? So whether you call it, you know, Greco-Roman, amateur, freestyle, catch wrestling, judo, jujitsu, sambo, uh, 
there's you know like West African arts or the you know uh, Eastern Indian you know uh, grappling styles, Turkish oil wrestling. Don't care what you call it. You, you got to have something of that. Um, and Eddie Bravo of Ten Planet Jiu Jitsu, he has the Eddie Bravo Invitational where it's Jiu Jitsu, right? Mm -hmm. And they have you know uh, you know uh, one forty five pound featherweights or whatever. Everybody, it's a eight person tournament. But the evolution of that, right? How do you apply it? Because Jiu Jitsu can be nice and and pretty and whatever, and you you know, but you don't account somebody's going to punch you in the head as you're doing these moves and everything like that. So Eddie Bravo devised um, the combat jujitsu where mm -hmm. if you're down, right. And you're stalling on a move, you can open hand slap your opponent in jujitsu, oh. which is oh, wow. right to me. So when you go, you know, jujitsu or any grappling style into, um, you know, what we now know as MMA or boxing or Muay Thai, right. To be just like combat jujitsu is a part, yet like the middle part of the evolution. Josh Barnett's blood sport, right? Especially when they take away the pins, it's in that evolutionary scale from a ground fighter, you know, into a striking fighter, into a full blown mixed martial artist, Muay Thai artist, boxer, what have you. That is the la you know the the linchpin, the, the middle part of the evolution of combat sports. So that's what I love about uh, blood sport. Good. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, blood sport is, is so fresh and I feel like it's kind of fresh to the wrestling scene, but you see the audience, you see how many bought, people bought those tickets. It's, it's becoming very popular. And I think, and I, I don't know if it's because like blood sport, it's every few months or or whatever, but people still buy tickets to see this. And mm. I'm curious to know if they're going to do it every time there's a big pay-per-view going on during a weekend or just randomly decide to, hey, we're going to do blood sport, but it's going to be here. Or is he going to travel with blood sport? You know, so... Which he, he kind of does, but yeah. I mean, in a sense of if he's is he gonna take blood sport um, everywhere that there like there's not you know how GCW comes GCW, to California right. and it's like hey there's a weekend of GCW I wonder if blood sport's gonna do the same thing in the future or just hey we're gonna do it when pay per views are happening because that's where a lot of people come in they fly in they want to see something new something fresh they get their tickets and. Yeah, that, that's basically basically it. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And it showed himself, you know. Uh, I think one of the first bar, uh, blood sports under the auspices of Josh Barnett was at the showboat uh, in New Jersey, and it has that mm -hmm. cool, like, I just like the way that it looks, much like the Ukrainian uh, Cultural Center. And shout out to GCW. When they run the big towns, uh, they know how to set an ambiance for a wrestling yes. show. Like, better than... Yes. Yes, you have Any to. Other promotion, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think with GCW, it's like when they have the collective during, you know, that weekend. There's a lot going on. You see different types of wrestlers from all around the world doing different type of styles of professional wrestling. You have for the culture. You have um, Effie's uh, Big Gay Brunch and um, so much more. So I think that 
Bloodsport, I, I mean, I feel like Bloodsport is part of the GCW, like it's under the umbrella of the GC, of GCW in a way. But also I would like um, Bloodsport to be like, it's, I mean, I know it's its own thing, but kind of like, hey, we're going to just take this to, I don't know, New Jersey. Yeah. Come on in. But I like the fact that GCW is also behind them and helping them excel and succeed to what they want to become in, in this business. I couldn't have said it any better myself. You know, I, right. I will basically add, you know, if anything from the, the GCW collective, when you look at all of the shows on, you know, on, on the offering, right. Um, you got to think that Bloodsport might be one of the better suited um, events that could be spun out of just GCW in a collective show. If Josh Barnett wanted to do one and he's super busy, so like we're not committing him to do this, but like if he wanted to do one every three months to create that big fight feel, right? MMA fighters, they basically fight, you know, twice, maybe three times a year. So to create that feel, right? And especially mm -hmm. with the level of violence that is happening, and we're and we're seeing violence, we're seeing blood and guts at the, you know, uh, you still got it, all of the, you know, like, uh, this is awesome. All of the chants that you're used to seeing in, you know, deathmatch or, you know, high flying stuff and what have you, you're seeing and you're hearing in blood sports. So I would think if, Anybody, and this is no disrespect to any of the other offerings, but I could see, like, if Barnett wanted to have, you know, basically presented to a TV network or if those things still exist or what have you, this could happen. Like, this could, this could be it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So a match that is uh, the semi-main event, right? And I think it's some, one that you are looking forward to because it is one half of this uh, card or one half of this fight is one of your all-time favorite uh, wrestling personas, personalities, uh, the AEW, the WWE, former world champion, none other than John Moxley takes on one Biff Busick. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesus Louises. I loved every butt of this match, but I wanted to I want to get your deal because I you know there might be a rant, but I think you might take care of it. Uh, but go ahead. Well, um, it, I find it so interesting that there's a lot of people all of a sudden who are Moxley fans, which is great. But I've been saying this since the day I started After Buzz that Moxley is a star. And, you know, I get a lot of people saying, you know, he's, you know, he's Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him. And it's like, no, like you have to see where he came from. CZW, you know, all the, all that great stuff, uh, Dragon Gate in 2008, you know, and you see as a fan, you see him as uh, his career path from where he started to where he is now. And in my opinion, John Moxley is a deathmatch wrestler. And that's how, you know, that's how I saw him when I first discovered him, he was doing CZW. And I think he is bringing what 
what he is really good at to blood sport. I mean, he does what when he lived in Vegas, he did go to places, uh, MMA places yep. and trained and everything. And I, that's the beautiful thing about professional wrestling is that you can be a certain type of wrestler, but then transition into a, something else. And I think John has done that and has done that for a very long time. If you really watch his career and how he just comes from a guy who just looked very like a normal dude to now he's buff and huge and, and, and really toned out. And overall, John, no matter what match you see with John, 99% of it, you're going to see blood. And that's why I look at him as he's a deathmatch wrestler. He's one of the goats of deathmatch wrestling. And I think people forget about that because of his style that he does today. And people have seen him with WWE. So when I see people cheer for him, I love it. I'm like, yes, he's finally getting that recognition he deserves for years. But at the same time, he should have gotten those cheers a long time ago. Yeah. In my opinion, a long freaking time ago. You're, you're not wrong. Um, to me, especially him coming into what was then known as FCW, right? And there was rumblings that he was going to get into it with, with Mick Foley or William Regal. Yeah. And I was I remember that, those. Right. And I it was, was just like, but he was that guy, right? In many ways. And I, and this almost pertains to Biff Music, um, this statement uh, as well in the fact that both Moxley and Busick almost feel like they're from a different age. Like they, yeah. they, they feel like they were running around with the, the funks and the Briscoes back in 1970 and Amarillo. And they were, you know, in and around the hearts and, you know, 1970 some odd, what have you, or they were down in Florida with Abdullah and Eddie Graham or whatever. You could put these two in any decade of wrestling. And I think they, they prevail. They absolutely yeah. prevail. Um, I, in terms of the evolution, right? Of course, people need to get money, get that fucking bag, or what have you. But I actually, in the long scheme of what, what, and who John Moxley is as a professional wrestler, I actually think a lot of the stuff that a lot of the momentum was lost by spending so much time in WWE. Right. Uh, and yes, uh, you know, personally, he found his wife there who to say if they had met, if they both not be there at the same time. And Renee is w one of my idols in terms of doing this, being an right. on air performer. She's one of the greatest of all time, um, in my opinion. And I put her, you know, up there with sure. like Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monster. No, she's Jim wonderful. Ross. She's amazing. She's great. Right. Um, so, uh, of course, right. But like him in the shield. Like, I didn't see Seth as a star. I didn't see Roman. I still don't see, or, or I don't get Roman Reigns at all. And that's a whole other story for another day. I'm not sure. going to bore any of you guys with my triads on Roman Reigns. Uh, I'm not saying Joe Anawahi. That's a guy who fucking beat leukemia, has wife and kid. Kudos to Joe Anawahi. But Roman Reigns, that's a whole different thing. I always saw that as a vehicle to make Mox a star. But there was 
I want to say in and around that time of that Stone Cold Broken Skull sessions, that people's view of him within that company started to they devalued him as a performer. They devalued him as a performer. And I think because okay, because because like he said in the Austin interview, Brock probably didn't want to do the certain things he wanted to do. And if you're gonna go into a match that has to do with a WWE deathmatch style, deathmatch style with WWE, that's his element. That's what he I don't want to say that's what he knows because I don't personally know Moxley, but as a fan, I look at it as that's that's where he kind of came from. He came from the a deathmatch wrestling background. He knows how to perform in that style. And to see another performer not wanting to do it, it shows to me that they that competitor is not ready to be part of that type of style and maybe don't don't ever do it, I guess. But but you see how Moxie elevated from leaving the company, showing up to AEW, and he's doing his thing. He's doing, and and my thing is, John Moxie can cut a promo no matter what. Like no matter if he wants to sell me a box of of ranch dressing and tell me how great this specific dra- ranch dressing is and why it's the greatest ranch dressing of all time, he can excel with 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 promos no matter what, and he doesn't need a writer to tell him that as we can see on AEW we can see that on Bloodsport when he talks he knows what he's doing he knows what he's saying and at the end of the day he's gonna entertain the fans he's gonna entertain the fans and he's gonna make his opponent also look good as well he's gonna make his opponent look He's going to put over his opponents. That's what he's going to do. Unless he really doesn't like you, then he's going to beat the crap out of you. And it is what it is. But what I really liked in this match was the outside of the ring a little bit when they were outside of the ring. I like the suplex outside of the ring. Um, I think it shows, I feel like that's what kind of what I feel what blood sport is about is just to beat the crap out of your opponent, make them bleed go outside the ring, do a little fun stuff outside of the ring and go back in and start doing submissions. And I think everybody in Bloodsport really showed the potential that they have in this business as well as the potential that they they can excel in the future with Bloodsport. And I hope uh, in the future, Josh Bornack, you know, just has some of the same people come, come back to Bloodsport so we could get some more so they can they, we can show hey that's a familiar face oh that's somebody I know from Bloodsport or new faces that we haven't seen but put them into somebody that we all know so, in a way so we can show so they can show the talents of it yeah no I I couldn't agree with you anymore like it's yeah. it's amazing you know and have even you know obviously you know kind of pull talent in from you know whoever's you know, in the GCW kind of roster doing whatever weekend they run, but also have its own separate roster that, you know, Marina Shafir, you know, Josh Barnett, you know, Moxley or Biff Music, or like, you know, that these guys and girls, and it's just factoring them. Who are they going to fight? You know, in this next water, in this yeah. next blood sport, you know, like, and I- you have to give, um, Biff, uh, Busick, um, uh, uh, props too hell yeah you know 
he is a talented individual and he is a buff dude and he can go and he can kick your ass as well. And I feel like with this was great to see to when he announced these two, I'm like, I was very invested because these are two tough guys. These are two, two individuals that can beat the crap out of anybody. And they, I feel like they just, I feel like when you have certain people in matches, they understand and they, they have that connection in the, in, in the ring. So I thought this match was great. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this one, Biff Music, not spoiling it for anybody. Uh, and guess what? Go ahead, pay the 20 bucks on Fight TV. You can thank us later. Um, you know, we don't have promo codes for you. If you just love wrestling and as, as hardcore as it can get, as deathmatch as it can get, well, you know, not involving, you know, light tubes and barbed wire and everything. Obviously, that is a different art. That's a different. Its, yeah. yeah a different art, different genre. But if you want the same kind of outcome without all of the gimmicks, Bloodsport is where it's at, you know, um, this athletic competition, which before we get to the main event, we have a uh, comment from Jesse who says, who would you rather watch Josh Monat versus Kane Velasquez in UFC or in Bloodsport? Uh, hashtag free Kane, first off. And uh, for me, I actually think the auspices of Bloodsport will be a little bit more free in terms of confines than the UFC is. And uh, unfortunately, not to read the tea leaves too too much, right? But uh, Kane was essentially released from the UFC, I believe, right before the pandemic. So I want to say 2018, right? And Josh Barnett, you, I, I'm not speaking out of school. Just Google you know, his relationship with the, the UFC. Uh, I don't th think we'll see either man in the UFC anytime soon, but I do think it would be perfect for Bloodsport. Two former UFC world heavyweight champions who have wrestling credo to get it done in a no-rope ring. I'm in. Sign me up. Sure. I mean, I'm not familiar with Kane Velasquez at all, but... Um... I guess, I guess for a few people who are fans, I think that maybe that's possibility something that can happen in the future. Um, and I'm sure fans of, of Kane Velasquez would, would like to maybe see that. I don't, I don't know. I, you know. Yeah, well, at the moment he's in jail because there was a, there's a whole thing about the molestation of his kid. And he's like, Oh, well, you molest my kid. I'm coming after you. And right, yeah. 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 So heavy um, stuff, heavy, 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 heavy. So just saying, so, um, there's a lot to make that happen, uh, but if for fantasy booking, I would rather Cain Velasquez, Josh Manette happen in the Bloodsport ring. Yeah. Yeah. So, the main events of the evening, we have Japanese legend, and th that terminology gets used way too liberally, but... In terms of Minoru Suzuki, him and Funaki starting pancreas that launched the careers of Boz Rutan, Josh Barnett, and a litany of others, right? Uh, and Minoru Suzuki is the final boss to none other than Chris, the Dirty Daddy Dickinson, uh, current uh, United Wrestling Network World Heavyweight Champion. Um, Jesus Louises. This, again, uh, if you follow the the, the trials and tribulations of Chris Dickinson through Bloodsport. I mean, it's just, 
him going basically being an opening match, right? To now him main eventing, and he's he's been in there with some of the all time greats, right? You know, mm-hmm. the the Barnetts. He's trained with Barnett. He's he's done everything that he's needed to do to face a legend like uh, Minoru Suzuki, and obviously Minoru Suzuki is everything. It just. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not one thing that Minoru Suzuki is bad at other than maybe like, I don't know if he's a nice person, but he scares the shit out of me. So he gets an A plus. That's a five star right there. He scares the shit out of me. There's nobody that can scare the shit out of me more than Minoru Suzuki. He's just, he's just a different, different breed. Um, but again, Suzuki and, and, uh, and, none other than uh chris dickinson, dickinson yeah. yeah these two my goodness what it you wanted kicks you wanted punches you wanted uh, you know uh open hand chops forearm chops like all of it suplexes this had everything this had everything you you needed out of it um and it's wild to me right in terms of Minoru suzuki right at 52 53 years old right that he's still arguably one of the top wrestlers in the world today because he can make so much out of so little the way he looks the way he can basically his emotions in the ring right even the casa nina ray song right like there's a there's an ambiance in the room you and i have experienced it live right everybody's mm-hmm. clapping and whatever and there's, right. there's something that happens there's some energy that happens right anytime that you know he mouths off to whoever's opponent because they slapped him or whatever you don't have to understand japanese one iota you know minoru suzuki is gonna fuck you up like that's yeah. just that's just it um and this is every bit of it which made the win for dickinson that much more obviously you know, catch wrestling legend, um, you know, pro wrestling legend, like anything combat sports, Minoru Suzuki has done in one form or facet in his legendary career of sorts. And again, for Dickinson to come back after a near career threatening injury with his hips and everything, right? And this is what you get, right? There's a lot of things that he could have capitalized, right? His upward trajectory was never brighter, and then he gets injured, right? Yeah. That that sucks. Like to 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 get injured when you're on your your highest, you know. But then there's a reward, and that reward uh, for Dickinson is Suzuki. And I think anybody who gets in the ring with Suzuki, I think they are having a ball because some people it is a dream to to fight Suzuki. And some others, there's opportunities to fight him because that means you have something. There's something about you where they want to put you in the match with this guy. And Suzuki, legend, 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 legend. And um, I really am happy for Dickinson that he got this opportunity because it shows that I feel like, I feel like him, Dickinson and AJ Gray, I feel like between those two, well, both of them, both of them, I feel are, and of course, Nick Gage, but I feel like all those three guys are the top guys for GCW. They're the top guys in GCW. Um, and 
Dickinson's getting this great opportunity, and I think it will showcase a lot of people what Dickinson can do, you know, besides just wrestling. But also, Dickinson's a huge dude. He's huge. He's a huge buff man. But so is Suzuki at his age as well. And, you know, it's it's amazing to see how people can go, no matter what size you are, how what age you are. At the same time, Dickinson is getting put over. And that is phenomenal, in my opinion. And I think the storyline goes with, because him and Starboy, Char- Starboy Charlie were uh, partnering up. And then things happened to Dickinson. Then it happened to Charlie. And then now Dickinson is back. And Charlie is recovering. But it's now showcasing Dickinson as a single competitor. And I think overall, this is really good for Dickinson's career. No, absolutely. Um, and you were talking about the opportunity that uh, Dickinson was given with Suzuki. Well, he made the most of that opportunity, right? Uh, the final stanza of the match was essentially uh, Minoru Suzuki falling prey to Dickinson's brain buster. And one of the stiffest looking brain busters that I've ever seen, right? And much like, uh, you know, competitors of... Uh, you know, the previous fights at Bloodsport 8, guess what? He doesn't, you know, a brain buster is not enough. I'm going to clobber the heck out of Minoru Suzuki. I'm not giving him a, a chance to get out because there's 30 years of combat sports experience at least, at the very least. If I let this person up, he will lay waste to me. We're not just talking about my career ending. If Suzuki gets up after the brain buster, we're talking about my life ending if Suzuki gets a hold of it. Right. Yeah. He's learned. He's forgot more moves than he actually has in his arsenal. Right. So with Dickinson, Dickinson got in like a, almost a rabid dog and started elbowing the heck out of Suzuki to the point where the referee, another great call, right, saw that Suzuki wasn't intelligently defending himself, and he called mm-hmm. for the match. Now Suzuki would have told you, "Hey, you're not gonna give. You're not gonna get Minoru Suzuki." to admit that he gave up, that admit that he quit, especially not the 2022 era Suzuki. That's just not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But the the advocate for Suzuki in this particular instance was the referee, and the referee did a great job because, again, yes. I mean, the amount of force that was generated by Dickinson's elbows, right, and forearms that he was laying waste to, we might not even see Suzuki after. They might have been like literally peeling him off the mat because I think Dickinson would have probably embedded uh, Minoru Suzuki, and that's saying a lot, in the mat with those forearms. But this was a great call, a great match, and a, I mean, to me, it's, it, it, it got a standing ovation. We got all the this is awesome chants, all of the relics that you, you know, see at an ardent, you know, MMA or not MMA, but an indie wrestling match, right? That you would see yeah. maybe on a Young Bucks or a Lucha Brothers on and everything. And you got to see it in not that, right? I don't think there was one flip other than maybe Jack Cartwheel's, I mean, not Jack Cartwheel, but Ninja Max, you know, Capoeira kick to Yoya, right? Mm-hmm. It, this was the nice, like, I guess, cherry, the proverbial cherry, uh, bloody cherry to put on top of a blood sport Sunday. Um, yeah. 
my goodness. And not just to Dickinson and Suzuki, but every competitor on this Bloodsport card. Um, I want to see more of you. And I want to see more of you in Bloodsport, you know? Uh -huh. um, and But by saying that, that also might close the doors if you're running the same roster, might close the door to other opportunities. But I'm looking forward to the future, right? Uh, yeah. A future that could be not just this roster that appeared on Bloodsport 8, but any new competitors that may come around come Bloodsport 9 and what that happens. And uh, all being almost like the, uh, the, the the proverbial playground of the War Master Josh Barnett and seeing who he can put where with who. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, Anissa, obviously, we can find you on bloodyslam.net. I've linked your contact info in the bio, but I've done it once, but it bears repeating. Where can they find you? On the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me on all socials at Anissa Bar with three R's. Um, just, you know, three R's. And um, yeah, on Instagram and Twitter. And that's where you can find me. Um, some cool stuff is happening soon. Um, my own podcast is coming out. But um, yeah, I'll announce all that soon. But overall, yeah, follow me on socials. Yeah, and I'm According to Woods. And we thank you for joining us here on According to Woods, a special edition of According to Woods that was both uh, on the According to Woods main page as well as powered by Bodyslam.net. Shout out to Bodyslam.net and the Grappling Network. Uh, so uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I mean, Anissa, you're subscribed to the podcast, aren't you? Yes. Heck yeah. So be like Anissa and subscribe to the podcast. And if you don't believe me, you don't believe Anissa, and I don't know why you wouldn't, well... Here's Bloodsport 8 competitor Zeta Zhang to help convince you. Hey, this is Zeta Zhang. Make sure you subscribe to According to Woods YouTube.